Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the House Divided podcast. Uh, This one might be a little contentious as Michigan State has pulled off one of the, I mean, bigger upsets in college football against Michigan. So it's kind of the theme of our podcast. So uh, let's just roll in. I'm Brendan. I'm the Michigan side of things. And our Michigan State correspondent is Jeremy. Jeremy, how are you? Doing pretty well, Brendan. It's, uh, you know, it's Thursday of the longest week in the history of the world. So, Yes, it is. It has been absolutely the longest week in the world. I have never, like Michigan and Michigan State only played five days ago. Does that not feel absurd to you? it feels feels absurd and it should never be allowed that they play like right before an election because man that made it seem like like especially from the msu perspective last week it was just a week of dreading it and then yeah we enjoyed it saturday and then i woke up sunday and i was like god the election is in two days like (laughs) yeah you know i i I get you and you know i i'm glad you bring up the point about the whole week of it kind of just being dread for MSU's perspective because the whole perspective of everybody in here, I do want to touch on before we quit talking about this game, but let's just dive in. We got a full show. Uh, Jeremy had a great idea this week to at least start this conversation. So it's not just Jeremy telling you the same things you're hearing from all the Michigan state people this week and me telling you all of the things that Michigan people are saying, we're going to talk about each other's perspective. Uh, So Jeremy, why don't you go ahead and talk about, or we could start positive. Should I start about Michigan state? Uh, Well, here's the way I think we should do a sandwich, right? So we're probably going to do, let's start with Michigan. Then I'll let you go with MSU and then we can talk about, uh, big picture for Michigan because I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, so, that works. So you go ahead and start. So, so I know this, I hear this from Michigan fans and I get it from uh, watching the Ohio state game, but you know, MSU fan perspective, I never really thought, well, I can't really talk too much trash about Don Brown because he always does pretty good against us. This game was the game where I'm like, yeah, maybe just Don Brown's not that good anymore. Like, I, I take nothing away from his great defenses he's had, but uh, that was pretty bad, man. Like, I mean, your athletes are who your athletes are, uh, but I think you might have undersold it when I listened to you in the preview about the corners being a problem because that was really bad for me yeah. on Saturday. Yeah, I, I undersold it. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't no, even – I didn't know it was that bad, I'll just say. Yeah. Uh... And, and I think the thing that has to be the most frustrating is it's not – it wasn't Michigan corners getting beat on tremendous routes or great play design. It was just four verts and freshman receivers kind of running little stops and goes, but not like crisp routes. Um, and it was already dropping the passes in. Like, that's just, that's super frustrating. <laughs> um, so uh, <laughs> yeah. I think that was the biggest surprise for me is just, again, like to me, when I had always thought of a John Brown defense, like, yeah, I knew the thing about Ohio State with crossing routes or, you know, maybe in some big games I didn't show up. But it seemed to me like, from an MSU perspective with our offense, you never could look at a Michigan defense and be like, well, there's the huge weakness. You know, it was Jordan Lewis out there with real preppers, but they still had a good line and good linebackers. And it was all the way through, there was talent across the field. And that was probably the biggest surprise to me on Saturday, you know, being that this is a weird football season, we've only seen them play one game. 
I didn't really watch much of the Minnesota game. So that was something where I'm going in pretty blind, um, you know, to it from a fan perspective. And it, that was shocking to me on, on the defensive side of things. Um, offense. So here's, here's my thing. Uh, Hassan Haskins got seven yards of carry. And I know he got a lot of on 19 on one run. But I really felt like they could have used their run game more with Hassan Haskins. Um, you know, I thought Michigan used way too much of Zach Charbonneau and Chris Evans, who just weren't doing much. <laughs> and uh, Joe Milton was the one ending with the most carries, according to the box score. So and a lot of that not on you know, design QB runs. It's just that he had no time in the pocket. Um because UVM's offensive line got really beat up, which again, I would not have called ahead of time. But uh, I would like to, you know, if I'm a Michigan fan, I want to see Hassan Haskins just be like the guy carrying the ball after that game. Um, and I got to say, not really afraid of any of Michigan's wide receivers, which I did not expect as well. Uh, outside of Giles Jackson, I really didn't think, hey, when this guy catches it, I'm really scared, uh, especially because if he caught it, he probably had to catch it three feet above his head from a Joe Milton pass because Joe Milton knows one speed, but he knows no accuracy. Where was I wrong, Brandon? How do I, how does that kind of break it down for Michigan? Nah, it's pretty good. It's a lot nicer than the way I want to say it. I will uh, say, I, if, I, if you want me to finish on some positives, uh, I think Blake Corum is going to be really good. Um, yeah, thank you. You just brought me back to life. You got me back like, as Blake Corbin. But I do want to see awesome. I do want to see them use him differently. I, I thought, you know, like you look at that run when he scores the touchdown in the first half, and Chris Jackson from MSU seemingly has him pretty well handled. And Blake just runs to the sideline and just beats him on speed and goes to the corner. Why is he not? I mean, I don't know anything about him. I don't know enough about him. I know like can he catch out of the slot? Can he do swing passes? Can he do swing pass? Like, yeah. But as a Michigan fan, you shouldn't be sitting there going like, man, the way that Michigan State used Connor Hayward, I wish we used our speed like that. But Connor Hayward doesn't have speed, but we used him in the screen game. We found ways to get him, you know, two touchdowns. And I want to see that from Michigan with the speed and space, right? Like, yeah. where is that? Yeah, no, um, it, it was I've there. Never, I thought Gaddis was going to be better. And he was no. awesome at the end of last season. And he was awesome in the first week. Uh, so it's just, you know, it's one bad game, you know, hopefully he uh, comes back. But I was, if I'm a Michigan fan, I'm pretty disappointed with the whole game plan. It, yep. it looked like you were 24 point favorites and that was the game plan they made. You know, like this is the game plan we need to win a game against a 24 point favorite. The problem was the team that was the underdog. This is their most important game of the season. So they came yep. more. I I do want to say Michigan State could go one and seven from here, and you can't even call it a failure. Like I, okay, uh, let's let's move on to the Michigan State portion because I want to say some good things about you guys. Because credit to Mel Tucker for taking a team that is just coming off one of the most memeable losses in a while. Like for for that program, I think losing to Rutgers really hurt. And he completely turned those kids' hearts around and clearly caught something special to win this game. And so complete credit to Mel Tucker. 
um i i was comparing him in my i'm really glad we didn't get to record last week i would have said some really stupid shit um like i was getting brady hoke vibes from week one uh yeah i mean it was like i was about to say some really dumb shit so i'm glad that i have none of that on record um but honestly it a really great performance uh the offensive game plan, I, I will say there was a lot of chicken shit offensive coordinating done uh, by Michigan State. I felt at times they may have been a little bit lucky to actually pull it out just because they were being so conservative uh, mm-hmm. despite Don Brown showing absolutely no ability to stop the pass. So it that's a bit of a question mark if there's anything to bring you guys down after you must be riding so high. Uh, but honestly, in the defense did fantastic. You know, you get 38 hung up on you by Rutgers, but obviously being put in a horrible situation by your offense, I, I think holding a Wolverine offense that a lot of people expected to hang 40 on everybody after week one, uh, it was a really good performance to stifle them um, and really make it a bad day for Joe Milton. So complete credit to Michigan State. Um I just I, – I am way more impressed. I tweeted uh, at the end of the first quarter, I think, that I was not nervous, but I was just annoyed. And to be honest, I kind of felt like that until the end of the third quarter. And I think, conversely, a lot of Michigan State fans felt the exact same way, whereas they were – I think Tara Stafford, who I'm a big fan of hers, uh, like just her timeline – um, but she, uh, tweeted at halftime, like, we'll always have whatever the score was at halftime. <laughs> and like, yeah, that, that is like the, the complete energy from both fan bases was, ah, well, Michigan's going to win, but at least like it's going horribly. Right. And, right. and then until yeah. it was probably 27, 17, and I'm sure that's when it got a lot more serious. Again, I wasn't on social media cause I was trying to, avoid finding out anything so I could watch it on my own eventually and uh, all that. But yeah, it was just complete credit to Michigan state because teams don't win when they're un- that big of underdogs. That just does not happen routinely. And so when it does, obviously there's a big storm of circumstances that allowed it to happen. And we can talk about that whenever. Um, so, cause that spread is not even close to what it was a week and a half earlier before those week one games are played. But regardless, an unbelievable upset uh, and one that I know MSU fans are going to remember forever and probably hold over us forever. As I will have to say, so so I deleted Twitter for the whole game. Proud of myself that I made it through the whole game because I, uh, I'm superstitious. So I figured if I log this thing back on after the onside kick, like something bad's going to happen. And it was going to because apparently – you guys had an extra timeout that no one in the world knew about except people just in the stadium. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a little bit crazy. I will say part of the halftime good vibes is that you're coming off of watching Michigan just run wildcat twice in a row (laughs) and hold themselves back from scoring. Okay. Let's talk about that because, because no, here's the, no, you have, yeah, yeah. You go ahead. Do you know what makes it the worst on this? Milton can run. Is that what well, makes yes. it the worst? No, what makes it the worst is that 
So they catch MSU off guard because they, they run the Wildcat out there, right? And then they throw Joe Milton back on the field and MSU is completely scrambling, like what's going on? So Mel Tucker burns a timeout. And then they which, go back to the Wildcat, yeah. Yes, so then yeah. you come back on the Wildcat. Okay, whatever, you come back on the Wildcat. Now, my opinion is when you're in that timeout, you're saying, hey, we're going to run the Wildcat again. Be ready for the next play if it's stopped. And we're going to already have the play call made. Here's the play. Milton's on the sideline. He runs in with the play. He's good to go. Because I know they were saying on the broadcast, Hassan Haskins has not thrown it. But you have to think when you're on the sidelines, you're like, well, they're going to do a one-two on us. They're going to run the Wildcat. If we stop them, they're going to run it. If they run it again, that's going to be the throw time. Like, well, if they knew that, they didn't really do a good job of covering it. That's, like, it was an unbelievable true. play to break that pass up. And, it, again, that right. was only possible because Hassan Haskins is not a quarterback, and that was a bad throw. <laughs> it was know? a bad throw. But it was just – yeah, I don't – to me, that that's where I got the feeling of, like, this is a team coached or game planned as 24-point favorites. Like, they were playing with their food. They knew yeah. they could get away with some things. Okay, maybe we don't go into the halftime up, but we know we're superior, so we're going to try this out because maybe later in the season we'll need this Wildcat in a game that we need it. And it was just – it was like they took too long to wake up and figure out, yeah, we were 24-point favorites, but this is not going that way. Yeah, you haven't even mentioned the most infuriating part of it, though. Michigan lost by three points. They lost four points by not getting a touchdown on that drive. It, they literally threw it away. I mean, it just because, like you said, they were playing with their food. They they were they were thinking about the Vegas spread, it, almost, right before halftime when you're down. It, it just is completely maddening. From and here's the thing: Jim Harbaugh's whole thing about like, okay, we might not be the the Alabamas and the Ohio States, you know, ever like. We, Ever. We never pull off an upset. But at least, you know, we don't generally lose to bad teams. We beat who we're supposed to. Well, you were a 24-point favorite, and, you know, you could excuse it by just saying you don't give a shit going into it because you're a 24-point favorite, but you're playing the in-state rival who not only are you – like, you should be giving your biggest effort right now to put a boot on Michigan State's throat as a program. Because Michigan's starting to finally recruit at a little higher level. Michigan State is facing extremely difficult circumstances. Mel Tucker, whatever. Like, it's just unbelievable (laughs) that when you have the perfect opportunity to try and squash them out, you just got, you you sent D'Antonio with walking home with his tail between his legs with a 44-10 victory. And now you have an opportunity to set the tone and you do that. And that's just completely unacceptable. I was, so I think that, yeah, I think that can transition us into the big picture conversation. So here's my thing. So, so first of all, did you looking at the Joe Milton comments after the game, right? Like whatever he says that Antoine Simmons is not on his radar I didn't really take it as smugly as a lot of MSU fans did. But what I did take it as is, okay, sure, you can say it's smugness or whatever. Preparation. But at the end of the day, day, 
to me, if it's not smugness, what it tells me is that they sure didn't prepare like this is a rivalry game. No, not that at all. That starts at the top, right? Yes, it does. Yeah, you, you, you're preaching to the choir, and uh, a lot of people, you know, whoever listens to this, might might be surprised because I have been one of Harbaugh's biggest defenders ever since 2017 when the real problem started seeping in. Um, just because I'm like, okay, he might not be what we thought he was going to be when we hired him on, but who are we realistically going to get that's better? Because he, because he, do, he didn't lose these games. And um, it just like the statistic I saw the other day was on average – um, Michigan gets upset about two times a year and they are the only FBS team since Harbaugh was hired at Michigan in 2015. Um, they are the only FBS team in that time frame that has not won a single game as an underdog. And I just, I think that's a lot of bad circumstance and a lot of, I mean, it, we have six, we're in year six of data, right? Like, I think it doesn't help him that, and you can call me out if I'm trying to make up excuses, please do, because this is kind of a reach. But like, I've always kind of thought that Vegas takes advantage of Michigan fans and how many there are and how high they are on the team compared to usual. And so there's a lot of games where maybe if you take Michigan's name off of it, uh, at least one or two points in one direction, the spread might move the other way. If you just look at the teams, I don't know if that's me just coming up with a bunch of crap uh, or if that has any, but the, either way, that's only a small part of this. It's unacceptable to be one out of 130 teams who hasn't done something like <laughs> It, it, right. And even if that plays a factor, it's unbelievable to not have a single upset uh, victory. Because even Ohio State and Alabama, because that's the argument a lot of Michigan fans made, was like, hey, how often is he uh, an underdog? It's like one to three times a year, which is true. He has less opportunities. But Ohio State and Alabama are both underdogs less often than that, and they both have wins as underdogs. It, it just it, – it's – it's an it's bad and I I really wanted Jim Harbaugh to work and full disclosure he still has se- six games seven games left this year fingers crossed and uh, they're not gonna fire him and pay his buyout I guarantee that so he has another season before his contracts up in 2021 I there is time for things to change and for it to turn around. But I am at the point where, like, if if he can't do it with two full years of Joe Melton and having Gaddis finally get here, and, I mean, he'll have next year as well. If he can't do the thing, and that'll make seven years, there's no reason to renew. Uh, it, you just say thank you. I think it's best if we mutually part ways and go and – fire the Michigan money cannon somewhere else, I guess. I don't know. It's, I, I guess that's like the opposite of a hot take is just saying, let his contract run out and turn the other way. But I just, I don't see the point of firing him and to pay a huge buyout uh, in the middle of a pandemic, you know, that's stripping yeah. uh, funds, obviously. So 
I don't. What yeah, do you? I don't. I, I I understand. If I I feel like if I was from an outsider perspective, I'd kind of just be like, "Hey, suck it up." Like, wasn't your last coach Brady Hoke? Like, maybe just stick it out with the guy who always goes nine and three. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, it gives me the Lloyd Carr vibes without the Lloyd Carr highs, right? So, yeah, Lloyd Carr was probably not as bad as as Michigan fans thought, and they were getting tired of it towards the end. But here's what I don't understand about the about the Michigan psyche per se. I mean, you did try with Rich Rod. Not everyone bought in, but tried to to go outside the family to bring a new offense in and all of that. Listen, you guys were tired of the Lloyd Carr offense when you let him go and you know tried to run him off in 2007. And then you bring in a bow acolyte as the game continues to go quicker and are surprised that you can certainly manball your way to at least eight to nine wins, you know, uh, because you're going to get a top 20 class at Michigan, regardless of how the season is going. Um, so you're going to win the majority of your games, no matter what. That's kind of seems like the floor. I know Brady and, and Rich Rod were worse than that, but with a competent coach. not the floor, Jeremy. I, yeah. I promise. With, a, with, with at least a competent coach. You shouldn't be. But there's no guarantee of that. That is the thing to to play devil's advocate here against my own argument. There is no guarantee whenever you bring in a new coach. And I'll let you finish. What I was was thinking, though, is just if Lloyd Carr wasn't good enough, and I know that Harbaugh, when you brought him in, like the expectation was that he could obviously elevate you guys. But now looking back, it's just – how as the game changes and gets more open, more offense, teams evolve. I mean, Nick Nick Saban runs a more exotic and fun offense than Jim Harbaugh because Nick Saban wants to win at all costs and is willing to just take it. It took until year six for Jim Harbaugh to really give up the keys to an offense. And so that's where it's just, you know, I don't think your four with Jim Harbaugh is ever worse than eight and four. I think that's the absolute floor because I think Jim Harbaugh is going to continue to beat up on the lower parts of the big 10 most years. Um, and, but and I just don't, and, and I, I don't see him that. making that last step. What's he going to do to get over the hump on Ryan day? Cause here's where I'm starting to think like a season where you guys beat Ohio state, it could happen, but I don't think at this point you guys are ever going to beat Ohio state and you're 11 and 0 hanging in that game. Cause you're going to have a dead trip earlier in the year. Like that's, that's what it is. So if Michigan wants to be a team that can consistently actually not just in, you know, old school media in July tell you that they could actually beat Ohio State, if they actually want to be good enough for that, you have to believe that you can find someone better. You have to pay for it. And you probably need to go outside the Michigan family because I just don't know who on the Michigan tree is an exciting guy right now. Well, like, that's the other thing. We're alternating right now, so we're going to have to go outside of them. Or, no, we're not alternating. It's Brady Hoke and Jim Harbaugh are Michigan guys. Yeah. Well, so, I, I'm with you 100% that they need to go outside of the Michigan tree if they do this because uh, – And you need to buy in this time. You can't be the rich rod again. Okay, um, well, we don't have Dave – older Brown people. Here, so no, no, just saying. I, and I think there will be buy-in because if it doesn't work with Jim Harbaugh, who I think across the board everyone agreed made everyone happy. Like even like the people who are not the old school Michigan fan of I need a Michigan man still would have told you that Jim Harbaugh was basically the best hire you could get him at the time that you got him. 
right? And it like was. Perfect and I, yeah. I, and I stand by it was. And one it still thing, is. Yeah. And, and I will say, I, I think when they hired him, we talked about eight wins being the floor. I think that winning a national championship absolutely was the ceiling. The question is, is it still? And I don't know, man. doesn't look like it. Like, I know I'm five days away from Michigan's worst upset loss since Appalachian State, so I guess maybe I shouldn't be making, like, grand decisions about where his ceiling is, but it doesn't feel like it. I can only be hurt so many times, you know? Like, before I just quit giving a shit. Like, I think that Michigan is going to lose to Indiana on Saturday breaking like a 20 something year streak of victories over Indiana. And I don't, I'm kind of numb to it. Like I did. How can I not be? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think all this is where I think we have to take a big, big view and say, like, I think a lot of this is through the 2020 lens. Like, I mean, MSU fans would tell you that they were pretty numb outside of the excitement of a new coach in game one. We'd be pretty numb. Like if D'Antonio had that game against Rutgers, yeah, we probably would have said like, let's get him out of here. But also like, whatever. It's seven more games in 2020. Maybe we're gonna have a season. Whatever. Let's be numb. You know what I mean? So, so I totally get where you're at um, from that. But I think it's a little bit of the 2020 perspective coming through because I, I think, I think it that is. yeah. I mean, I think that you guys. I mean, look at Penn State. They're own two. Like, granted, they've played maybe Indiana. Uh, who you guys play this week in Ohio State, but at the same time, like they had more opt outs than you guys, and they're 0 2, and there's really nothing to think that they're going to challenge Ohio State anytime soon either. Yeah, so, nobody's going to challenge Ohio State anytime soon. Like, that's my biggest takeaway, I feel like, right now. Oh, yeah. You know, and yeah, I, okay. that's not happening. So, general feelings on Jim Harbaugh for me are just take him to the end of 2021, and if he hasn't gotten over the hump and at least beaten Ohio state once or gotten a well, no, if he hasn't beaten Ohio state once by next year, then there's no need to renew the contract. I'm not usually that type of guy, but like seven yeah. tries, man, seven, uh, come on. <laughs> what would, it be, would it be eight next year? Or is this, this is year six. So yeah. This is um, year, yeah. It would, it would so, be so I think, I think that the issue that you're going to run into is I think you're right. I think that makes the most sense. Uh, I will say if I'm the new guy coming in in 2021, I'm not very happy that I have to take over after, like I'm sure that class just won't be very good because you have a guy that's a lame duck. Like we already know he's getting recruited against because the extension hasn't happened. And I think he, he could always spin it. Like I don't have an agent. I do this on my own time. Like it's going to get done. And I think we could all believe that. But then this last week happened and I just, I don't know, man, I feel like recruits, right now are extra sensitive to all this stuff because again, like we're just seeing recruits flip like none other. I mean, MSU had it this week coming off of this game, they had a recruit decommit. So, you know, it's kids want to stay closer to home or they want to like feel really safe at a school because, Hey, you know, maybe I get stuck there one year and we don't even have a season. So with all of that going on, it's really hard to imagine Jim Harbaugh going up there and trying to stay within 30 ranking spots of where Ryan Day is getting a class next year if he's recruiting on a one-year contract. So that's where I think the hard place is for Michigan right now. And to be honest, maybe the best way to handle this is if that NFL interest comes this summer, you really just hope Jim goes 
and you, you amicably part, you don't have to pay a buyout. You don't fire the guy who was the great guy to come home. It looks like he wants to chase a new challenge back in the NFL. Yeah. Like maybe that's the best way for this to end because a non-renewal, but he doesn't retire or a firing really is going to be, I mean, that's going to be hard to, hard to sell to the entire fan base. There's going to yeah. be half pockets, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's probably not as bad as, as a Michigan fan feels right now. I think he, at the end of the day, no matter what, when he hands this program off, it is light years ahead of what he took over. That is um, absolutely. The part is that Ohio State is also somehow, even though they were awesome when he got here, is also light years ahead of where they were. And that's just when you run, when you're well, school, they, they won the national championship the year before Harbaugh got hired. I mean, that's true, consistent with better now. Uh, but that was an upset too, right? Like them winning that was they won it with a backup QB and somehow beat Alabama. No one thought they were going to win that national title. That's it, once you get once they got to the playoffs, like maybe you're, you're right. School, and and, and the, the fact of the matter is they are just a better program now, just at the rate they are yeah. recruiting with Alabama. They're, be, they're, they're starting to get some Alabama of the North vibes, like for real. Oh, hundred percent. Uh, yeah. Who's, who's going to challenge them within the conference? Like they're going to win the conference every year unless a really fluky season happens. So Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's a tough place for Michigan. You know, I think you you are definitely light years ahead of where you were. Um, but you know, I don't I don't think the Michigan attitude should be when we hired Harbaugh, he was the perfect guy, so we can never do better. Like a lot of new yeah. coaches have popped up. When you hired Harbaugh, no one knew who Ryan Day was. Yeah, or so, Lincoln Riley, really. So like, I mean, yeah. you're, you're, so you're you can find someone. You're you're completely. You can find someone. Um, I just don't, you know, just because we don't know him today doesn't mean that there's not going to be someone that can do this for this program. Uh, yeah. But I think, to be honest, we need a culture change. The, the best description I heard of it, and then we can move on to our next topic, I feel like, is uh, Michigan's really got the USC vibe going right now. I mean, a lot of people say Texas, too. Yeah. But I think the USC vibe is just because someone who works in higher ed, like, you hear all these stories about USC, how, like, that athletic department there operates so insular and it operates such a weird way and Michigan seems very similar where the new guy could come in and maybe the fan base is totally okay with him not being a Michigan man but then there's like this house of cards group inside the athletic department that's not okay with it and they they wield a lot of power so I think what Michigan needs is that they need they got everyone on board with Harbaugh and it still didn't work you still need to give the next guy everyone on board and just hope that he just has that magic that Harbaugh hasn't had. You know, you can't treat yeah. it like a Rich Rod again. No, I, yeah, absolutely not. Rich Rod was, uh, he was put into such a horrible situation. Um, so I do have a couple more things. So one, um, I do think it is tough for Jim Harbaugh here because even if you say like, man, whatever that was terrible he doesn't have another opportunity to win over the fans until they play ohio state in december because wisconsin the way they are now you can beat the brakes off them and i don't think it's going to do anything for you penn state has so many opt out and opts out and injuries that i think you could beat the brakes off them and it doesn't really do anything for you uh and 
even if we are six and one walking into Columbus, Ohio with a chance to go play for a big 10 championship on the line, uh, I don't think a single fan, well, not a single fan. I don't think there's going to be a lot of fans who are, um, feel much better about Jim Harbaugh going into that game unless he goes and wins it. So, uh, I think it's unfortunate timing and, you know, whatever. My only other thing I do want to touch on before we move on to some other news and some other sports is this game could not, the lead up to this game could not have happened more dramatically to create Michigan letdown and Michigan state excitement. I mean, Michigan losing or beating Minnesota, who was thought to be a top 25 team uh, and just beating the nuts off of them and Michigan state losing a super fluky game to Rutgers. It now seems with, you know, seven turnovers and, you know, they still only lost by like 10. Uh, it, it just, everything created, I literally have never been more confident going into a rivalry game that Michigan was going to win. And so I, I do have one question on that. Did, cause I'm curious. Cause I think after the game happened, I've heard a lot of people say that they got a little bit nervous Friday night because of the uh, yes. Minnesota Maryland game. Yes. Did you have that feeling? I, I okay. got a little bit nervous, but I was, you but know. you still should win the game, right? Like, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Here's the thing. I didn't think there was like, a, I would get nervous of like, like I, Friday night, I would have gotten nervous of like, well, maybe we don't cover. <laughs> yeah. And uh, exactly. maybe I like, I cash out my bet if I can, <laughs> but I would have thought, we go from 24 and a half to, to losing and, and not losing in any fluky way. Like, oh, that's that what I was, said earlier. They did. It was not a fluke. They were the better team. You know, and uh, yeah, yeah I, that's all there is to it. Really. Congrats to MSU fans. I, I bet that was quite an experience. Um, it, it must, it must've been nice going down the stretch there with not really any stakes. Like you want to win, but like, if you lose, it's like, Oh, well, at least we made those at least we made those guys sweat, you know, like, oh, for sure. yeah. So that must've been fun. Congrats to all you guys, uh, Michigan fans. I'm sorry that this is our life. Um, what it is, what it is, I guess. I don't know. I'm not changing anything that I'm also not going to expect change. Michigan's just going to be mediocre for the rest of time. Uh, in football, we have other sports to be excited about though, Jeremy, cause we have a hockey schedule. Oh my gosh. We, we were almost yesterday and we would have missed the hockey schedule mm-hmm. uh, we would have had to do an emergency pod because you know we totally expect that uh, eight days before you're supposed to play a game that's when the schedule comes out way to go <laughs> oh my god i know it's here we have michigan has a game in nine days that was just announced and they couldn't even bother giving the time or TV information. Like they're just like, they're just like Michigan plays on November 14th. And I was like, when like, we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping that it's uh, you know, we're going to figure out the time because we got to figure out the football and still give hockey some time on BTN, but no, that's going to be a BTN plus game. So uh, Michigan's playing Wisconsin that night uh, in football but that might not happen. So it might not matter because yeah. Wisconsin's too busy having half of their team infected with COVID. Uh, yeah. Also, it makes me super nervous. I'm glad we weren't Illinois because like I, you know, 
just having there was a while where sports came back and none of the teams I cared about were back so I was just kind of looking at like how it would feel to have a team and you know thinking about all the COVID stuff and yeah I'm just constantly on edge about whoever Michigan's about to play or has recently played (laughs) yeah yeah joy actually was kind of last Saturday I was like you know what we only traveled like 60 miles to play each other they're like and I feel like these are two or two teams that have taken this serious enough. I'm like, this is a good week. And then I looked at playing Iowa this week and I was like, yeah, if we're gonna catch it, this is the week. <laughs> so I'm nervous to come home from this game. Uh, yeah. and, and see MFU season continue. So. Yeah, no, I get you. Um, I also want to say I did not mean to take this away from hockey. So let's go back to hockey. I, I yes. completely tore us away. But the hockey schedule, so the whole thing does not get released. It was, I believe, just the first month. It seems like they're going to play into early December and then take a month off for World Juniors, I'm assuming, is what that is. Or if they're going to continue later into December, I'm not really sure. Well, I don't think you'll see any games in December. I think what you'll see, because, I mean, it's supposed to be a 24-game season and we got 10 games released. Um, I think they're going to use that month as a like if there's games in late December it's because we had some cancellation earlier yeah, I gotcha. um, and you're squeezing them in uh, but more importantly you know because the real junior thing you know, who knows I, I don't think the big I don't think you can make a decision in the Big Ten office based on that as, as a unfortunate it is by the team like Michigan maybe having some players gone um, and the disadvantage that that puts them at like just so hard to schedule in these times. You just got to kind of go with what you schedule. So yeah. I bet you it's uh, it's maybe probably if you need to bring, make some series up, you can do that. Um, and then you yeah, ask so the final 14, I'd imagine picking up sometime in mid-January, assuming that uh, the virus hasn't gotten way worse. But I think that's another thing. They're seeing spikes in cold weather states and hockey's a cold weather sport. And all these teams outside of Arizona State are in cold weather states and Arizona State's going to spend the whole season basically living among us so um yeah it seems like a COVID decision um which is probably good because they I think why we saw part of this delay it, I, I fully believe why we saw part of the delay in schedule was right as they're about to put it out Wisconsin Purdue game gets canceled and everyone's talking about how waiting on Big Ten football and having no wiggle room was such a big mistake it seems like it's pretty obvious that we're back to the drawing board. And so we need to draw up a hockey schedule that we give ourselves. Yeah. And uh, I, I definitely think they did do the right thing. It's just inconvenient for me as a fan. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, but yeah, Michigan gets 10 games between November 14th and December 9th. Um, the opponent, five opponents, they're starting it off with non-conference, which is, uh, their only non-conference opponent this year uh, will obviously be Arizona State. So they're starting Hold off. On. On. What? I guess it is. Yeah, I guess they're not counting as a conference. No, oh, yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're they're not going to be counted in the conference. But you know, we everybody we track them okay. in the conference. Like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they'll be playing every conference team the same way that all the Big Ten teams are. But they are not counted as a conference game. So. I think for both Michigan and Michigan state, because they get to open with Arizona state, it is kind of a nice privilege compared to the other big 10 teams who have to start with league games, but Michigan moves into a road series against Wisconsin, 
home against Notre Dame, a road series against Penn State, and home against Minnesota. Um, and we can dive more into those teams next week and uh, do what well, next week we're aiming to do a Big Ten preview, at least for the hockey, uh, specifically on our teams, obviously. Um, but yeah, I was just excited to see schedule. Um, yeah. What, what does Michigan State's opponents look like in this first month? Uh, so I was excited and then I got sad because I realized that when it first came out, I saw that MSU opened with Arizona State November 19th. And I assumed that everyone got pushed back a week. But unfortunately, it's just MSU. So, uh, yeah, so we don't get to start on the same week that you guys do. We have to wait a little bit longer. Um, the same thing open with the Arizona State, which is what we kind of talked about last episode. We talked about, like, are they going to do some scheduling pods? so that you kind of keep some teams contained uh, if you have an outbreak and kind of seems like they are going to do that with Arizona State, probably keep them going back to back and keep their travel light. Um, but Arizona State, they actually have, they go from the 19th of November to the 20th of December. Um, oh, really? And, yeah, so three series at home, two on the road, the two road series are going to be Ohio State and Notre Dame. So, not that I think it really matters. I don't think fans are going to be present in any of these spots. Yeah, but there won't uh, be a difference between going to Ohio State pre and post pandemic. That's true. True. This will tell me that obviously we're going to have to play on the bit. You know, I kind of like this for MSU the way it sets up. I'm in Christmas break and just travel uh, across town to the summit where they have an Olympic sheet and just practice there because they're going to play with Wisconsin, Minnesota, the road series in that phase two. Um, so that's, you know, it's nice to have it split up where you can just gear up for that. Uh, and then obviously we're going to have two series with Michigan in the second half of the year and our series with Penn State. So, yeah, and another series with Arizona State. So uh, I, we'll dive into the preview more, but uh, just good to finally have a schedule and to see that they're doing the stuff we talked about. MSU is going to play on every day of the week but Monday. So Hoping that means less BTN plus and a little bit more uh, BTN. Because here's the thing, you know, what I just thought of Brendan. Are they even going to be able to do BTN plus with uh, their non-player announcers doing it? Because, like, I mean, they have students to do it. Oh Are yeah, it's going to be there. Oh god, I wonder. This is going to yeah, it's going to be weird. It's... I'm wondering if I feel like what they're going to try and do is have people on camera and then do a lot of the. Uh, you know, kind of like how you get ESPN sometimes use the KHL games where you call it from Connecticut just on the stream. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they can do a lot of in-studio analysis and, uh, and everything like that and just have the guys call the games from the, uh, the offices in Chicago. Yeah, it'll um, be interesting. I really hope the coverage isn't even worse than it. Uh, well, no, I shouldn't even say that. I know the coverage is going to be worse than it was before because <laughs> it, it, we shouldn't expect them to do the same job with a harder circumstance. It's just going to be really annoying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We waited longer and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be not as good, but Hey, it'll feel, it'll feel great to have it. Regardless. And um, yeah, you know, we basically have to watch an AHL team in Ann Arbor. So, which uh, I'll put off that depression to next week. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, they uh, Michigan's got pretty good freshman class coming in, uh, and there's some talks that Canada might not get to take Owen Power for half the season. So I think that uh, 
I think, you know what, the World Juniors is such a great experience. We should send all the Michigan kids to it. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I was texting you when the schedule got dropped and I was annoyed because I want, I want, I'm going to be honest, the reason I want the Michigan-Michigan State Series before the new year was just to wash the nasty taste out of my mouth from the football game. Cause I, I mean, I guess I never know cause they're a young team and they could come out slow. So I guess I am happy cause they don't have to play MSU uh, the first half of the year. They can find their groove first, but yeah, man, it's exciting to have a Michigan hockey team that, you know, it, people, it, it was kind of a slow first couple of years for Mel outside of the frozen four, but they weren't even that good that year. Like they were a good NCAA tournament team. Got hot at the right time. Yeah. yeah, they got hot at the right time. And it felt like a first couple slow years for Mel, but that's because you have to realize the recruiting delay before you get your own kids in in hockey is like, is literally four years. So uh, <laughs> he uh, was blazing on the recruiting trail and now it's finally about to pay off. I think Cole Perfetti would have either came along last year or this year too, if he would have chose to come here instead of playing for Saginaw. So, you know, what could have been, but either way, they should be good this year. I'm excited. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I don't know what the sky situation is going to look like and who's going to be in arenas, but the stream of these games is going to be central scouting is going to be all over it. So, oh, yeah. Well, Max, yeah, Boltman, Max Boltman of The Athletic tweeted when the schedule got released, he said one of the most fascinating teams of NHL prospects in the world releases their schedule for the first month of 2020 that wasn't, wasn't just a hot take that was uh that's i mean that's honest yeah no it is i mean they have they literally have three out of the top five three out of Corey pronman's top five 2021 prospects in addition to having guys like you know johnny beecher who i think a lot of people are interested to see how pans out for boston and cam york for philadelphia and uh you know, even guys like Thomas Bortolo and Brendan Brisson, who went this year, or, or did, I don't know if Bortolo went this year, or if he goes next year, but regardless, a fascinating team. I'm excited. Um, any other hockey stuff before we move on to a quick basketball note before uh, week three against the spread? No, I think I'm just hoping, uh, hoping MSU uh, stays healthy. Um, perusing Instagram after that football game, I, uh, I have to say some, some of the hockey boys might have been uh, having a little bit of fun. So hopefully they're safe. Uh, it might not be a bad thing to start the 19th. If anyone's got to do some quarantining now, then get it out of your, uh, out of your system and be back by the 19th. But yeah, it's exciting. I, I think I like that both of us open up against Arizona state because uh, you come out rusty. It technically is not a conference game, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so the only piece of basketball news that we have that I wanted to touch on was um, Chandy Brown, the Wake Forest transfer for Michigan, was uh, received a waiver, so he is eligible to play this year. Uh, you guys can take your Hauser salt elsewhere. You guys just got one of the biggest miracle football wins, so I don't need to hear anything about that. Um, I'm just happy that Chandy Brown is eligible. Uh, just really adds more depth to a really interesting Michigan team next year. He said he's been practicing at the two and three. So uh, just more proof that Michigan is going to send out some tall lineups next year. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't really follow this one as always uh, a part of it. Uh, 
a part of his approval being based on the COVID year, or was it uh, just a pre-normal circumstance? I don't, I don't think situation? so, but I will yeah. preface that by saying I didn't really look into it because waivers are... I feel like it'd be hard to say no to kids, right, when you're letting a lot of things go in a COVID year, so I feel like yeah, you got to approve them this year if you can. Yeah, I, I don't know. I like... I quit looking into the waivers too much just because it feels like the NCAA just puts a blindfold on and throws a dart and whatever it lands on is the decision they make. There doesn't usually like there's any rhyme or reason. So every time there's a waiver drama, I'm just like, hope for the best. Let me know when they say (laughs) like, so it's just good news for Michigan. Um, A lot of people are talking about whether he would have been better suited on this year's team than next year's, but I don't really care. I'm just happy to see uh, more depth to a team. I always get nervous about foul trouble. Um, obviously, it's one of the biggest concerns. So just adding another versatile player definitely uh, should help Michigan going into next year. Um, and yeah. we'll, we'll get more into basketball as that season progresses. But again, we're going to need a schedule. So, All right. Week three. Big 10 against the spread. Jeremy, do you have the spreadsheet out? You, and you're leading the way, Brendan. Yes, sir. That's right. You're... So we did have some people jump in last week who weren't in the first week. So I think what we may have to do is uh, look at winning percentage. But we'll see how many times people just miss a week and things like that, too. So we'll kind of keep an eye on that for the contest. But, yeah, you're leading the way at 8-5. and five. Uh, Everyone had a bad week last week. I think, you know, the best I think I saw anyone put up was a three and three record. Um, so, yeah, everyone took a bath, uh, especially on the Minnesota-Maryland game. Uh, that wiped out everyone. No one could go perfect just because of that alone. And then Purdue only covering by seven, not the seven and a half that we needed, wiped out a lot of people too. So, uh, yeah, I want to yeah. give a shout out to This Is Hog because – According to the spreadsheet, he stood by his Purdue pick after Rondale Moore got announced as being out. Unlike I gotta double check that too, but yes, I think you're right. <laughs> unlike uh, me, who was an absolute coward, and I made a joke on Twitter. I was like, "Hey, uh, we're all gonna look like idiots if <laughs> if this goes that way." And uh, I was mostly joking, but hilarious to know that. Um, that happened. That's so funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. So yeah, you're uh, you're still in the lead because you had a great five and two record first week. So even though you went three and three last week, like I said, that was that tied you for first with everyone else last week. So you did not lose any uh, any uh, any bit of your lead lead there. So yeah, you know what? I was gonna initially do a bit here where I just picked whatever made Michigan sound the worst in every result, but I'm too competitive. So there we go. I'm glad gonna, to hear it. I'll give her my real picks just so I can try and feel smart and then eventually go 0 and 6. Um, so do we want to go in chronological order and start with our own teams, or do you want to save those guys for last? Uh, let's go chronological order. That way, the people, when you're watching, you know how to track your picks on uh, as the day goes for you perfect okay so the first one i will let you go first on um and then we'll switch because that's just how it'll work uh the first one michigan state at iowa iowa's a six and a half point favorite 
man, I really don't know how to like read this one, right? So, because you can just get into so many narratives. You're coming off of being Michigan and still only a week removed from uh, a rough game with Rutgers. But I mean, we haven't really covered it because we didn't get to do a full big dive preview um, on the Big Ten this season. But I was 0 2, and they might even have more trouble off the field. Um, yeah, the kid getting OWI this week. You have all the tension from the offseason of, of, you know, a agreed upon buyout with the lately, you know, with your strength coach. Some players want both parents is gone. So, like, there's a ton of like negative things going on uh, off the field for Iowa. Um, but yeah, I can't quite forget Rutgers and feel like there could be a little bit of a letdown after the Michigan game. So, uh, I think MSU hands tough, but loses by, you know, seven to 10. And of course that will give Iowa the cover. So I'm going to take Iowa here. I'm going to take Michigan state. I was going to take Iowa just to make Michigan look worse, but I, I think Michigan state could possibly roll this momentum from the Michigan game. And Iowa, I I just don't really trust them after dropping that game to Purdue minus uh, – Purdue without Rondell Moore. And that same Purdue team had a pretty close game. I mean, they never felt in danger of losing to Illinois, but they didn't cover, and it finished with a, as a one-score game. And so I, I'm just basically taking the transitive property to tell me that Iowa's going to not cover the spread. Yeah, and I mean, they raced out to a 17 nothing lead on Northwestern in the first quarter and lost the game 21-20. So, I don't know, man. Yeah, they're, uh, they might be bad. You yeah. Know. All right. Game number two, Indiana hosting Michigan. Um, guys, here's the thing. Indiana definitely has the, uh, the, the vibe like they're going to do this, I feel like. Michigan could respond to uh, to adversity with a cool performance, but why would I pick for that to happen? <laughs> so I'm going to take Indiana plus three. Yeah, so, so Bill Connolly's SP plus does have this as a Michigan win, but only by two. Um, I feel like if Indiana's going to break the streak, it just seems so underwhelming to do it with no fans in the crowd. Uh, I don't know, man. They got a lot of things going their way, but I think that U of M bounces back this week. Uh, if they don't bounce back this week, I think it's going to be hard for me to pick U of M to cover much going the rest of the way. Uh, I'll fully admit that. So I'm going to take the Wolverines to bounce back. Uh, it'll be a tense game, but I think they, they pull it out. Okay. Keep the streak alive. Yeah. Look at us just picking each other's teams, and neither of us are confident at all. Um, all right, Nebraska at Northwestern. Wow. Northwestern's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. It's your turn to go first, but I think we're going to align here. Oh, man. I, I still don't know that I believe in this Northwestern team, but that was pretty impressive coming back on Iowa. Um, Michael Penix is – no Justin Fields, but I think he's going to have a pretty good day against the Nebraska defense. And Nebraska, I mean, can you really say they're rested? They only had one game and they had to have a week off. And they seem more concerned about 
the COVID truthers. And I think they're just going to be really depressed that Trump lost. So I don't expect a good game out of Scott Frost when he's, you know, crying into his non-existent mask. So uh, give me Northwestern. Yeah, there was never a chance. I think my real bit is that I'm not taking Nebraska a single time this year. Give me Northwestern in the points. There we go. All right. Now, Maryland, that oh, well, this is an interesting one, I think. Oh, Vegas here. How is Penn State 25 and a half? Is that just how bad we're saying Minnesota is? Because Penn State is 25 and a half in favor. Yeah. You know, they played two good teams, and that's why they're 0 2. But did anyone watch that Ohio State game? They didn't lose by 13. They lost by way more than that. That was a nice looking score to them if you look at the actual game. So I'm going um, with Minnesota being terrible. So here's where I okay. get this. So yeah. I Michigan went on the road and beat Minnesota by 25. I think Michigan and Penn State are fundamentally similar teams. And the fact that Maryland, sure they won, but they basically tied Minnesota. It went to overtime. If yeah. uh, hot take, there should be ties in college football. Anyways, um, Penn State, I think it's similar enough to Michigan and Maryland is similar enough to Minnesota where I think 25 points is about right. And Penn state's also Owen two really probably wanting to feel good and show some muscle. I'll take Penn state minus 25. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense to me. I think I, I can get on Penn state there. Uh, they always try and make this like a fake rivalry. Maryland and Penn state. It seems like I really pisses Penn state off when that happens. So uh, they'll be angry and looking for a win, so I'll I'll take that. I think they'll do that. Maybe Penn State as well. Yeah. So Minnesota at Illinois. Minnesota being a seven-point favorite. Now, oh. Brandon Peters is still out with COVID. Yeah, because he yeah because you have to be out for three weeks. Ah, yeah. oh, dude, I think Minnesota is gonna go, and uh, I think they'll win by. Yeah, more than seven. I'll take them. I'll take Minnesota. <laughs> I I hate that I'm taking Minnesota, um, but I, I kind of feel like it's the same way. Because, again, I did not see any of the Illinois-Purdue games, so despite the score, I can't say that that gives me any confidence in Illinois. Um, so, yeah, I guess I – oh, man, this is ugly. This, this is one where we're doing it for the picks game, but if you actually put money on Minnesota to cover this year uh, – Reach out to us. We can help you get on the line of Gamblers Anonymous. You need some help because <laughs> you should not put any money on this Minnesota team uh, in the positive of them covering a, a spread where there's a favorite. Like, that's insane. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I think I think I got to take Minnesota just because, I mean, Illinois put up some points even though Brandon Peters wasn't there, but I have no idea what it looks like because he couldn't pay me to watch that Illinois Purdue game. So, yeah, if you bet real American dollars on this, then good for you, man. <laughs> what you're doing is you're betting with like your your winnings that you got from when Biden was all of a sudden like plus seven hundred on uh, Tuesday night, and you just knew it was going to turn back around, so you threw some money on it. If you're using that winnings, okay, throw it back into the system on Minnesota and watch it disappear. All right, so the last one is I believe Ohio State versus Rutgers. Yes. Yes, Ohio State yes. hosting Rutgers, and they are a 38-point favorite. Um, 
it, you can go first. You're the one who's seen Rutgers play. Well, I guess I have too, kind of. But. So, so here's the thing, right? Um, I have seen them play. I took them last week to cover. They didn't cover. They, they looked like they could a lot of the game. Um, you know, so... I'll say it's such a machine, but here's the thing. So what was the line last week anyways? Okay, Rutgers was robbed from covering because they scored that amazing you know, rugby touchdown that I think should have actually, actually counted. It was so cool. So they should have covered. Uh, but Ohio State still didn't cover 38. You know what I think? Ohio State probably hasn't been that happy with how they played. They only beat Penn State by 13, and they let Nebraska hang around too long. They could hang 60 this week. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the Bucks. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't think you could pay me to take Rutgers to cover any spread against Ohio State just because of the names associated. Uh, whether that's right or not, I don't know. But uh, it, it would be silly. Again, if you would bet Rutgers plus 38 with real money, good for you. But, man, get some help because I – <laughs> that's that's a scary bet. Give, just give me Ohio State. I'm curious though. What do you think about my take about the the fact that there should be ties in college football? Well, I believe ties are fine. Okay, because I think the bi- college football is like the biggest sport where everybody complains about the lack of separation and how champions are choosed and whatnot. So why not just make it like, okay, conference championships, bowl games, and, you know, and uh, obviously the playoff, there's overtime, obviously, and keep the same rules. But would it not be easier to separate teams and how good they are if you added ties into the fold? Like, I don't know. I just don't want teams kneeling out for ties. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Or not for ties, I mean, uh, kneeling out to get to overtime. You have 60 oh, minutes. Go win the game. Yeah. No, I agree. I think I think ties could make things more interesting, but that's the soccer fan in me. Um for sure. I <laughs> I think ties add to the drama because it just adds another result. But anyways, kill me for that take if you so choose. I'm fine with it. All right. Um so Thank you all for sitting with us as I got to vent about Jim Harbaugh and we, we, I think it was a good talk for all of us. Very therapeutic. Um, you should be following me at Brendan for AFC on Twitter. You should uh, be following Jeremy at, I'm pretty sure it's JD underscore Jerbear, but that could be wrong. Yes. Okay. Follow him. I remember now I'm going to have to keep it writing. I'm not going to Yes. And it might not work for football because I have to work every Saturday now, but uh, I'm going to try and be more active on the podcast account. So that's at podcast divided should definitely be following that tweeting out all the episodes and uh, your picks. Yes. Tweet in your picks for us. And we have a whole spreadsheet going. So the least you could do is tweet us your picks, you know, come on. Uh, and during other events where I'm not working, I want to be more active on that account. So uh, I'll say it on the recording so people can hold me accountable. Um, there you go. Yeah. Anything else before we sign off for the week, Jeremy? I'm 
I'm getting fun vibes on the Twitter regarding an election. So, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's been a hard year, 2020. People are going to tell you to not even feel that good because, uh, you know, maybe not going to leave the White House. But you know what? Enjoy good times when you get them. Uh, if you're an MSU fan uh, that listens to this podcast, I'm, I, I have no reason to assume a Trump fan will listen to us. At, at this point, this might be their last episode. So, bye. Uh, not gonna miss you. Um, and uh, yeah, what a week! Like, enjoy this. It has been a spectacular year. Um, and Michigan fans, you know, again, who aren't Trump fans, which if you are, bye. Uh, enjoy this week still. You know, this is a uh, we went through a lot in four years, and we are getting towards the end, and that feels great. Yep, my only solace in this. And uh, Saturday's result is that this was probably the worst week of Steve Deese's life.